Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast. Today we're grabbing our shovels, hopping in our Ferrari, and heading to City 17 to fight the Combine. Hello everyone, welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast, podcast fluent in gaming. My name is Paul Romalo, and with me today, out of Miami, Florida, Mr. Ozzy Garcia. Hey everybody, happy to be back. Awesome, and out of Utrecht in the Netherlands, Jeff Ivatz. Hello, gentlemen. Gentlemen, that's a <laughs> polite way of referring to us. <laughs> There's a lot of other options uh, there's, there. there. There's a clause in his contract that says that he must throw in at least two British term or slang or, or something, you know, in each sentence that he says. Oh, I'm so, glad uh, we made that into a contract. That's I thought he yeah, was yeah, just yeah, like yeah, 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 an yeah. effort. Oh, you also yeah. have a contract too, Paul. Just uh, you don't know about it. <laughs> you signed it when you were in New York. Um, well, you were enthralled with the stench and aroma of the subway. Um, so That I have to mention it every episode. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so Jeff has to say shoved every other sentence or so. Yeah, uh, or, uh, and I'll say bloody hell uh, as much as yeah, I can. Yeah, 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 there you go. Well, guys, we're taking it easy today. We're just kind of hanging out in the schoolyard. We're, we're shooting the breeze about what we've been playing lately. Uh, before we get to that, though, a big thank you to all our listeners for supporting us and getting in touch and and spreading the word via social media like i know i've said it before but honestly the thing we enjoy most about this whole endeavor is the social aspect and you know as much as we love chatting about games with each other we probably wouldn't do it if there was nobody but us listening so you know big thank you to everybody for that and uh, also a big thank you as well to our patrons via patreon uh, that whole thing has gone much better than we anticipated, <laughs> and uh, we've already started working on some extra content for you guys, so stay tuned for that. And uh, and again, thank you. If you're looking to throw us some extra support, Patreon's one way, or you can leave us a review or subscribe via your podcast app of choice. Five stars, please. I don't want Ozzy to have any panic attacks. Or aneurysms. <laughs> Once when we got that when we got that one star review, man, I I never heard the end of it. <laughs> I, I it was like that. Uh, it was like Jay and Silent Bob, you know, where I wanted to find that person that gave us that one star review and and just like drop kicked him because um, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't the one star review that bothered me. I mean, fine, you hate us, great, you know, it's fine, but give us a reason why. Don't just throw up a one star <laughs> review and just leave. Like that's just cowardly. Just state your reasons, say that we're pansy, say that my opinion on Ocarina of Time are terribly wrong. Whatever you want to say, knock yourself out. Let me debate you, though. Um, let me let me have an opportunity to tell you how wrong you are, rather than just dashing out. That's just like, I don't know, like knocking on the door and then just leaving, you know? It's, it's, it's schoolyard type. It's like childish. So, yeah, I wasn't very happy. I wasn't very happy. <laughs> Sorry, man. I uh, but, but he's got over it. He's got over it. I think I'm totally, totally over it. it. Yeah. Totally over it. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I, I I just sporadically go back to it every once in a while, and I say, "Who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't know what you were expecting, expecting with that. Patreon, uh, Paul. I don't know what you were expecting with Patreon, but I I was cautiously skeptical. Um, 
I I was just expecting a little bit of uh, you know comments about selling out and um, I don't know I, I I wasn't very optimistic that <laughs> our Patreon was gonna go well. <laughs> um, you had you certainly had a lot more optimism than I had. Um, I I thought that you were very sanguine of, about Patreon and I was just like. Eh, We'll see. This might be the end of RFG as we know. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, dude. I wasn't expecting so much pessimism. I just figured, yeah, like, I don't know. I just figured we toss it up there and see what happens, right? It's what, what I find bizarre about it is that I've had no shortage of people in my life who would actively want to get away from me. So the fact that yeah. people are donating <laughs> to listen to me is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, I mean, and the yeah. thing I've enjoyed the most, to be quite frank, is actually speaking with our backers, man. I mean, yeah, I, I've yeah. really enjoyed uh, our Discord chat so far. I mean, we have, I guess that the point is that if you're supporting us via Patreon, you're actually giving us your hard-earned money you know, to do something like this, where we're just waking up on a Sunday just to chat about video games and shoot the breeze. Um, you, you must, you know, enjoy having these discussions and and having these chats with us about just random stuff so um so we know that the people that are there are, are good for our st- stupid crazy opinions so um so it's nice to chat with them and it's nice to kind of have that instant feedback in a way um yeah. so it, it's kind of like these are your loyal supporters and these are the ones that you know can give you a pretty unvarnished view of you know, how you guys are doing. So uh, I think that that's one of the parts that I've enjoyed the most and that I'm going to keep enjoying. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, actually, you know what, man, you've been, you were gone for a couple of weeks there. How was that? Yeah, I was actually um, in the UK. I I braved the airport, getting on a plane, went across the channel and uh, went and visited the family. So it was really nice because uh, it's been what five months now, six more, well, six months since yeah, the outbreak. Yeah. Um, I'm, I lost a couple of holidays, unfortunately, um, but managed to go back and see the family, spent time with the parents, which was you know great. Just 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 seeing my mates face to face. I think that's that was like the biggest the biggest win for me. I didn't really do much else apart from work. Uh, yeah. Did the old work from home from from another country, which was uh, which was fun. Yeah, it's it was it was nice just to just just to get a little bit of normality because I think that's what me and the wife have been missing a bit. We've been, uh, uh, as I said, we we lost our holidays, so we kind of didn't yeah. get that little re- like recharge. But at least we've been able to go go off and see see our loved ones, and I think that's for me a twenty twenty. Seeing my family is a win, let alone going to another country. You know? Yeah, no kidding. My uh, my mom does not want me going to Toronto. Like I've offered, you know, many, (laughs) I've offered enough times and she's like, no, don't come here. Right. We don't, you know, I don't want you getting potentially infected and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and of course she's understandably paranoid, right? Like she's in her late seventies now. So that's, uh, that's kind of the situation there, but geez, man, like I'm, I'm glad you were able to get out. How, how was the airport? I mean, I, (laughs) it's funny. I work at an airport. I have no idea what's (laughs) going on in there because we're in our little, we're in our little cloistered tower looking down on everyone else and we don't deign yeah, to yeah. go actually inside where the plebes are. Yeah. Well, it's it's the it's the most hilarious uh uh environment really. So uh to get to get to the airport I have to take a train. So public transport, you have to wear a mask. At the of airport course. you have to wear a mask. It's like one of the only places where in Holland where you have to wear a mask. The government keep keep 
they're really undecided what they want to do with all of this. Uh, so then it's like a 40 minute train ride mask, three hours in the airport mask. And then it's all air, it's all open. There's barely anyone in the airport. Super easy. Half the stuff is closed, but whatever. I can still get a sandwich and and a, and a drink. Yeah. And then and then you're all sat waiting to get on the plane. Everyone keeps distance. People are wearing a mask. And then suddenly they go right. Okay, we're going to board. And they board the plane. And you're suddenly you're sandwiched between everyone again. <laughs> and you're like, well, okay, I just spent the last couple of hours doing my best to keep away from people. And now you're just shoving us all together. Okay, fine. But the most hilarious thing was they were giving out food. It's a 40, 40 minute up and down flight. By the time you've hit, reached, uh, you know, maximum altitude, you're already heading back down. You know, you've already, yeah, yeah. you're already crossed over. You're already kind of over London. If you look out, you can normally see River Thames and Big Ben and all that, all that kind of cool stuff. And then you're making your descent and they're, they're basically chucking bags of food at everyone. Everyone's <laughs> taking down their masks eating yeah. a bag of crisps and a biscuit and then put their mask back up and you're like exactly great great if, if, they, if they put their mask back on jeff i mean I, I i flew here from new york to miami and miami back yeah. um and it was exactly like that except people just did not put their mask back on um, oh they just yeah and, forget it yeah uh, and just uh, the flight attendants had to come by and be like hey we're gonna we may suspend you from ever flying in our airline again if you don't put your mask back on that's basically the point to which it got you know where they basically yeah. had to threaten suspension um yeah because people were just weren't yeah. following orders uh but i found it completely insane that they were just packing the flight um and some airlines are not doing that some airlines are just keeping you know some seats separated they're not filling the middle seat American Airlines, nah, they didn't give a shit. They were just like, fuck it. You're all sardines anyways. <laughs> um, you're all numbers in our in our spreadsheets. Um, so, yeah, I, I swore to not fly American again. Um, but certainly your experience correlates to what my experience was. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. interesting. If I had to boycott every airline that I've had a poor experience on, I would just never fly. <laughs> yeah, you'd be there in, U- in Yukon forever. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be just stuck up here. And, you, and you're definitely gonna be, not going to be renting a car from Hertz or anyone else because they've all screwed you over one at one point. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> no they choice. certainly have, Jeff. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for reminding yeah. me. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, hey, man, so what have you been playing lately? Ah, uh, too much. I, know, I was thinking about this. Guy, right, I need to talk about a couple of games in a, in a good amount of uh, content. And I was like, actually, you know, what have I played? You know, when you kind of go, actually, what have I been playing? Because this summer is just flying by. Sure um, is, I've, yeah. I've been trying to like ride, go out on my road bike a little more just to get out and do some exercise. But I'm thinking, okay, I need to need to have some games to talk about. Um, and actually, you know, I, I've mentioned in the last few episodes how I've I've managed to pick up a PC. Um, yeah, and that, yeah. That that adequately plays modern games to to a decent point, but it plays anything from twenty eighteen back. It it pay, it plays no problem. So obviously, what's the first thing I do is is inspired by our King of Games ninety eight episodes. Um, I went straight to the sequel of our one of our finalists. So I've uh, I played through Half Life two. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it does has it been. Up? It does it hold up? It's a I like to I like to believe that it's still worth playing. Uh, it's still so unique in the world of FPSs that it still needs to be played. But a few things creeped in that that I realised actually I didn't enjoy. Uh, I always I think I was saying how wonderful it is. It's a masterpiece to you guys. And yeah, with, yeah. Whilst whilst forgetting some of the things I, that I I that I forgot niggled 
niggled me. Yeah. Um, largely like the last chapter and how it just bit a bit of an anticlimactic. You end up getting uh, the gravity gun or like you get the gun that you can basically pull people towards you and fire them off. And you're basically invincible for the last part. Um, so that, that, that kind of, uh, that sort of casts a little shadow over it, but otherwise what, what a fantastic game. I'm glad it holds up because like every once in a while, and I mean, we encountered this so much with our 98 series, like you've got these games and you've got such fond memories of them. And then we have to go back and kind of critically analyze them. And it kind of hurts a little bit sometimes, you know, going back and being like, oh, I guess this was fun then, but maybe not so much now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I first played uh, Half-Life 2. Uh, a lot a while after the fact and it was in the orange box on xbox 360 um, what a great compilation that was by the oh, way one of the best unbelievable one of the best i mean and that's one of those uh titles that were if we ever do a 2007 king of games uh, <laughs> that's one of those that are going to be on there because that that came out uh in 2007 as well um but yeah so i i, I had been meaning to play half-life 2 but of course i never had a, a powerful pc to play it so yeah. I had to wait until I actually, you know, had some sort of port that was able to actually faithfully execute uh, Valve's vision. I know that it came out on the original Xbox, and that was kind of a miraculous port, to be quite frank. It was uh, decent, but I ne- yeah. I, yeah, but I, I never played that, I think, in large part because I didn't want to get a diluted experience. I wanted to experience what everyone was talking about in its full glory. Now, granted, the Xbox 360 version is not you know, quite up to par with uh, the PC version, but it's not severely compromised to the point where you're getting an inferior experience at all. Um, so I, I wanted to try it. I think the problem I have with Half-Life 2, and I'm not going to get into a run, so don't, don't worry about this. Um, <laughs> it's just that the gunplay feels a little bit loose. Um, it, I was accustomed, I guess it's also, it's a fact that it's a 60 FPS game when at the time I was, used to 30 fps even in you know my my shooters etc so that the feel of the gunplay if there's such a thing um just felt very different from the other from the other games that were releasing out on the time and one of those was modern warfare uh call of duty modern warfare which has even though it's 60 fps it has a very different feel from half-life um mm-hmm. and so that kind of took me a little bit getting a little bit of getting used to i think it's also the reticle there's there's just something about the shooting in half-life that just doesn't quite jive with me uh but i think that game more than anything i mean it's the physics that make that game i mean that game was just a physics showcase it was Valve saying look this is the future of games this is what you can do with physics you know before half-life uh, an op- an object was static. An object maybe could roll, maybe could do things, but to actually be able to interact with that object and to actually have it be part of the gameplay mechanics, I think that was what was truly revolutionary about Half-Life 2. And I think that to this day, you still see that influence in games nowadays where you, when you have physics-based puzzle mechanics, all of that can be traced back to uh, the gravity gun in Half-Life. All of that can be traced back to, you know, having to create your own platform in Half-Life. And that's one of the things that if you go back to it, that's a little bit weird. You know, the the platforming in it, because you have to kind of 
make your own platform based on the physics of the game. Um, that's the part where, to me, it kind of falls a little bit because they were clearly trying to do something innovative and new. Um, and it's very impressive, absolutely impressive. But if you go back to it right now, that's part of the thing that that's some of the parts that actually strike me as a little bit uh, not as tightly uh, put together. Um, and, and it's because they just give you this playground and you just have to kind of go with that and have to make the gameplay, you know, kind of work. So I don't know if that's your impression, Jeff, but I, I, all to say is Half-Life 2 is, a, is an extremely impressive game. I'm not going to shit on it. Um, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time with it. I wish that they would actually finish the damn game. Um, <laughs> but that's, you know, an argument for another day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, episode uh, episode two and three are are equally fantastic add-ons and 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 much shorter thankfully because i think half-life 2 the one of my gripes was that it it does go on maybe one or two chapters too too long there's a lot of there's a lot of moments where like i i I love the i love the world building that it does like that that valve are able to do where there's not a lot of narrative going on there's not a lot of like really there's not not a lot of exposition but you really feel like you're following something, and that, and that the world is going on around you. Um, and obviously, this is still a 2005 game, um, so it's like we need to kind of take it in in its bubble. That like if, if it was made today, there'd be a lot more NPCs. There'd be more stuff going. There would be a lot more going on in 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 there. Um, but there are moments where it really just kind of go right. I'm repeating a lot of things here, and there's not yeah. a lot happening. Yeah. And I think that I kind of go well. Not every game needs to be modern warfare. Not every game needs to be Michael Bay, big explosion set pieces. Your your guys running off a roof. Yeah, and that's not, that's not quite fair to modern warfare. Uh, <laughs> that's not quite fair to modern warfare. Um, um, I'll go to bat for that game. How do you feel about the vehicle section? Because I feel like that's one of the sections where the game is at its weakest, actually. Uh, well, the the uh, the buggy uh, definitely has its moments where it's. <laughs> It's super frustrating. Um, you end up getting stuck a lot of the time. Uh, the gun, like the cannon on the side of it, is very sporadic when it comes to the aiming. But like, I, st- I, I appreciate how that changed a lot of the pacing at times. Um, yeah, I didn't it broke mind it out. that level too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I broke um, it out, and there's also the 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 the, the wind boat um, that you use. Um, you know, the the boat that you have to traverse through the canals and stuff like that. That's another one yeah, of those. Um, exactly. And Jeff, you were mentioning, so you got to the end of the game and what, you felt overpowered? Yeah, pretty much. And and there isn't, you know, you, you get so used to having a final boss. You get so used to kind of going, right, I'm going to have to defeat something huge here. I mean, I've literally, uh, so this weekend I just started playing Metroid Prime 2 and, and you're already confronted with bosses, you know, boss, yeah. boss. And you kind of think, okay, there's going to be something big here because you've got up to the citadel, the very top of this of this tower, and you go, right, something's going to kick off because there has to be something. And in the end, it's a super easy, I don't want to spoil it for people, I mean, it's a 15-year-old game, but you end up <laughs> destroying the mechanism and you end up creating a, another catastrophe in which G-Man kind of pulls you out and says, right, you're needed for something else. But yeah, it just kind of ends. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah know, it just oh, ends. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's that was my quirk. It was a very anticlimactic ending. Um, yeah. But just to kind of go back to it, I mean, I remember, you know, back in the day, I used to watch a lot of G Four, um, which was the gaming channel back in the day, and I remember the pre-release hype for Half Life Two, and when I saw the gameplay video of the, um, of the, 
you know, the uh, there was the bomb that you could throw like bugs at, at people and it would just follow, you know, people and it would kind of eat them or whatever <laughs> would happen. Yeah. I mean, that that kind of gameplay loop, I I was really fascinated by it. And I said, I, I got to have this game. Um, I, there's also that, that portion, you remember, Jeff, where you're in the abandoned uh, town. Uh, I think it's Raven. Ravencroft? Raven home. A Raven home, yeah, Raven home. That is just a fantastic, fantastic, yeah. um, you know, setting. A little, uh, a, a little slice of horror. It's nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I thought that, you know, that that was the future of gaming, and I think it was. I mean, you had a ton of other physics-based games that came out of, uh, you know, Half Life. So, yeah. I'm glad you got to play that again. Indeed, I mean it's it's something that I just wanted to make sure go back to and go right. You know, is it as enjoyable as I found it back then? Um, I'm not, you know, an FPS gamer much these days, but I still appreciate how it is so different. Like I said, from your your standard Call of Duties or or um, um, what have you. Um, yeah. But there are still moments that in that game that I I I don't think games have quite like games tried. Like you're saying about the physics. So you think about the physics, but then there's two games that come to spring to mind when I think about game physics. One of them is is Dark Souls, and the other <laughs> is Gears of War, where once an enemy's defeated, physics are yeah. out the window. Yeah, they run around like, like you push them around like a ragdoll. Exactly. So there's and yeah. you think even in like un in un, not Uncharted, uh, but like um uh, uh the Last of Us where lots of objects have got the same weight and feel and they kind of fly around the rooms when you hit them and tables and chairs kind of go careening off sometimes. And so yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like the intrinsic weight value of uh, the items are not factored in, you know, in other games, whereas in Half-Life, everything has kind of its own intrinsic weight. Um, and, and I probably, I, I think it's probably because a lot of these games use middleware they don't necessarily take the time that Valve took in order to basically yeah. create a physics-based system that factored in the weight of every single item. So it's yeah. probably why we don't see it, you know, as much. I, I, I think as well, a lot of what is in Half-Life 2 in terms of the assets, it has a purpose. There's a there's yeah. a reason for most of the stuff existing in that game, whereas you go to games now where it's, we are just going to bombard every single environment with assets, so it, it feels more believable. It feels more realistic, or it, it feels like the character, or the characters, or the players can actually feel like there's something of value of worth. Whereas, you know, when you go back to playing a PlayStation Two or a GameCube game today, uh, worlds feel very empty. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it sounds to me like you're saying that we can still learn some lessons from Half Life Two. Potentially, potentially. I mean, Valve, Valve are, 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 master, are masters in, in, in the form of, of, uh, of making games that not many people are, are able to replicate. Maybe, every maybe once, there are some Every lessons. once in a while, they throw out a breadcrumb like a Half-Life yeah, Alex. Like Alex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I like the idea. I like the feeling of going into a final level and just being completely overpowered. You know, I, like yeah, the, my, my, the, me too, man. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's fantastic. Either I either want it to be punishingly difficult, or just be completely overpowered. I don't want it to yeah. be kind of like vanilla. You know what I mean? Walking in there, yeah. And especially with a weapon like the gravity gun. Oh my god! Like, what a great feeling. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's yeah. true. And there are there are parts of the game which require a lot of repetitive attempts. Yeah. Um, especially when you're facing up against those uh, uh, those flying seekers. 
I think whatever they're called, like that can be pretty hard going um, if you're, uh, you, you need to be switched on. So there are moments where you do need to be pretty good at being a gamer. Um, but maybe, as you say, that last moment being overpowered, it's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm fucking badass so, <laughs> to deal with it. Yeah. Right on, man. And what else have you been playing? So the, the other one I wanted to talk about, um, and something I'm actually looking forward to in the future, rather bizarrely, is, is Blade Runner, the Westwood point-and-click nice. adventure. Nice. Oh. Um, yeah. I, so the reason why I played this is because I had a copy of it back in the late 90s and struggled, struggled severely. I just couldn't, I couldn't get it. At least with the Lucas LucasArts point-and-click games, I I could always find my like kind of bundle like bungle my my way through them and yeah, figure yeah. things out after a while. But Blade Runner just had me completely perplexed as to what the hell I had to do, what I was doing. Have either of you played Blade Runner? No, no dude. No. I'll be honest with you. I don't even think I've heard of it. When you said late nineties point and click, I'm like, what? Yeah, no, it's it's no? kind of legendary <laughs> because it had um it had not been redistributed for a long time. And then I, I think one of those studios that specializes in reclaiming the, the properties uh, that yeah. have been uh, dormant for a long time or have been in licensing hell, they were able to pick it up and uh, they redistributed it again on, on, on GOG.com. And um, it's one of those games that is widely hailed as one of the best adventure games, um, you know, his, historically. And wow. a very good sequel to the original Blade Runner. This is exactly. back before we had Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So exactly. I uh, yeah, I hear it's it's pretty fantastic, and it had a lot of the original cast, like Edward James Holmes and, and the like. Yep, he's in there. Um, yeah. I mean, pretty much the only one that they didn't have was Harrison Ford. Of course. So <laughs> it's it's pretty uh it's pretty authentic, and uh, yeah. one of those that I have been really wanting to get into. I actually have it on on GOG.com. But I haven't, I haven't actually played it because, I, I, like I said, I don't play my games. Um, <laughs> so, um, but Jeff, how, how do you, uh, how do you feel this time now that you uh, revisited it? Yeah, I, I'm glad that I've played it now that I'm an adult and I have the patience uh, to play it because it does require you to um, rethink how you normally play video games, even point and click adventure games. Um, and the the examples I guess I have of that is that your character, so you're essentially you're, you're a Blade Runner, um, and it's set during the movie because so it's there are still elements where you can see that it's very very closely tied to the movie storyline wise because you're still going after the same replicants. I think one of the replicants who gets uh, uh, retired by Harrison Ford's character by Deckard is in the game as well. So like it's all in that same time period. Um, but it, 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 it feels absolutely genuine to the movie, to the movie as well. But, but to the point I'm trying to make is you're able to change the attitude in which the the detective is asking questions. So you're having to go, right. Okay. Um, how am I going to approach this individual? Because what happens is, uh, how you approach them completely determines how they obviously react, but then how it completely impacts the storyline and how you get through the game. And I think that when I first played it, I just didn't get that. So there were moments where, uh, say, a rep who I think is a replicant runs away. I'm like, oh, OK, what do I do now? I go for a guide and it's like, you need to have said this, this and this to this person because that's where you can then go forward. So it's like, oh, yeah. but I didn't. I immediately wanted to give him a Voight Kampf 
I presume, Paul, you've at least seen the movie. I'm not talking like absolute non- nonsense when I say things. You're you're talking absolute nonsense. I <laughs> okay. I this this is one of my greatest shames is that I've oh, never really? seen that movie. Yeah, I know. Oh, I've wow, got it, okay. dude. Yeah. I've had it downloaded forever, and I think uh, I think even on Netflix, it's going to be released soon. At least in Canada, our, our Netflix is <laughs> is different from the U.S., which I always find amusing. Yeah. But uh, no. No, I haven't seen it. Okay. Thank you, Jeff, by the way, for uh, for outing me. I was kind of hoping I could skip through this without having to admit that. So thank you very much. Uh, yeah, so Paul, I mean, as you probably figure out, Replicant <laughs> is kind of an android. Um, and they are called Replicants because they essentially look like humans. Um, yeah. And some of them don't even know that they're Replicants. Um, yeah. So, so and uh, yeah. So the the big the big thing is is that they are used on the off world colonies. So you know, mankind has gone into space, colonized other 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 planets, and they have a four year lifespan, and they're meant to be incredibly hard working, super strong androids. Yeah. But this group of them escape and go to Earth, where they think they'll be free. Because Earth has turned into this wasteland, into, you know, LA is on, you know, there's all these fire towers. You'll see it, it's very visual. It's a very, and even the book, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, even the, even the book kind of gives you that great vision as well. Um, yeah. And so essentially, yeah, you're, you're one of the detectives who are called Blade Runners. You have to go and find these who, and re- retire them, which means kill them, basically. So that's, yeah, that's the so, aim of the so, game. So do you have to uh, run like empathy tests and, and the like? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So with the void conf, with the empathy test, uh, you can un- you can unwittingly ask someone to do it immediately, by mis- which is what I did. I did a couple of times, and as soon as someone goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You think I'm an android? I'm a- I'm a- I'm out of here!" And then like the character yeah. runs away, and you're like, "Right, I'm going to run after them." But then the next screen, they've disappeared because they've run away, right? So you, really so you can basically to... play the game the wrong way and then just Absolutely. effectively lock yourself out of the game. It, um, I think so. I think there's a, there is, you, you'll get an ending. But not um, a good one. But not a potentially good one, no. <laughs> um, and, and this is the beauty of this game, which is why there's so much replay value, is that pretty much, uh, I mean, I don't know how, in, how many variables there are, but each gameplay, like all three of us could play this today and ho- and have wildly different experiences and and characters in the game in my game would be a replicant but maybe Paul in yours won't be replicants and vice versa interesting how are it's the really- uh, i was going to say like are there any kind of like or, or how many perhaps obtuse lucasarts puzzles are there or is, like is it that kind of game or is it mostly dialogue driven yeah, so a lot of it is is dialogue, and it's really more of a de- you're, so you're more of a, de- a detective this time around. Mm-hmm. So you gather evidence, and you can from chapter to chapter you can miss evidence that so you miss miss key evidence that leads you to a replicant. So it's up to you to to do all the investigating yourself. And you know, well, you wouldn't have seen it then, Paul. There's a really <laughs> bizarre there's a really bizarre scene in the movie where Harrison Ford's character investigates a photo. Yeah, and you have to do a lot of this in the game to uncover evidence. So if you miss key evidence in the photos that link you to, like, you, I'll try and try not to spoil it too much, but essentially with the technology, you're able to even see like almost around corners and reflections and all sorts of weird things in these in these video in these uh, images. If you miss stuff, then you won't get the right person to to say the right thing to, mm-hmm. and you can't go back. 
to like that moment and kind of go, oh, I need to, you have to go back to an old save, all, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So it really, it really depends on your efficiency or how you look at evidence and what, who you want to ask and when you want to ask it. Because it, there are some moments where an NPC will be on screen if you don't take the opportunity to ask them the questions then and you haven't built up the evidence to ask them the right questions, if you go out and come back, they might be gone and that is your chance gone to in, in, interrogate them. I'm not sure oh, this sounds incredibly uh, anxiety-inducing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's really fascinating. It's really fascinating and yeah. I'm looking forward. So yeah, Ozzy, you mentioned it. So I, I took a quick look. It's, it's, a, it's a studio called Night Dive. Yeah, um, Night Dive. They're, they, they're the ones that do this. They they reclaim System Shock, uh, Turok, a yep. bunch of other uh, you know properties that have been lost. I know they were trying to uh, revive No One Lives Forever because that one's also been stuck in development, you know, in, yeah. in licensing limbo. Yep. Uh, but ultimately, no one really knew what the hell they had, so they weren't able to do so. But I guess with Blade Runner, they were able to actually do it. Um, so there's this list essentially of games that are in licensing hell um, that are like the most wanted, and I know that Blade Runner was kind of at the top. Now I guess No One Lives Forever is at the top, uh, <laughs> but Blade, Blade Runner, I'm glad that you know a new generation is getting to experience it, particularly now compared to 20, 2049, Blade Runner 2049. I feel like Blade Runner has gotten a new lease on life, and I guess yeah. that's a question for you, Jeff. How do you feel? this game or how do you feel 2049 compares to this game so you feel like this is a more um apt vision uh to the original blade runner than 2049 or do you feel like yeah. they gel very well with each other no i i think they do gel well i this this game is very much just it's on, on its sleeve is the original ridley scott vision um that's where it is with a little bit of um of the book thrown in um especially because like it all gets it all kicks off because of a of a mass shooting in an animal shop in a pet shop um and paul if you and I'm, I'm sure you haven't read the book either then but then <laughs> bingo if if earth has become a wasteland it means that animals have become the most precious commodity and owning animals is a sign of real wealth um okay. but obviously because we've got androids who are pretty much like humans and you need to do tests to find out if they're an android or a human, this, they've also done the same thing with animals. Oh, wow. So, um, and, and that isn't really in the movie, but it is in the book. Because it, okay. it's called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Because do androids want to own an electric sheep? Because the main character does, because he sees it as like, this is how to elevate my status, is to, is yeah, to own yeah. an animal. All this sort of stuff. It's all. It's a very, very different book to the movie, but yeah, they tie well together. Nice. Um, but the 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 twenty forty nine movie, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Uh, I love how it tied tied together with the original movie. I was a little bit skeptical, um, but I think it it's all fits well together. The game, as I said, very clearly ties in with the Ridley Scott original movie, and that's fine. But twenty forty nine, I think it has a good place uh, in in that kind of. Uh, little triangle of a Blade Runner love. Yeah, I, I also think it does honor to the original. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we agree, Paul. But I would say if there's anyone listening who loves Blade Runner and you haven't played the point-and-click game, um, if you haven't got a PC, don't worry about getting it on, on GOG. Uh, wait wait for this remaster. I, I think it is coming out good. I'm sure it'll be out on the Switch. 
um, and you'll be able to get infinitely frustrated and uh, have multiple saves to uh, protect yourself uh, when, when you play it through. Yeah, nice, nice. I And so when's this remaster supposed to be coming out? Yeah, it's the last time I saw anything. Maybe yours are you seen something else, but the last time I saw something, they pretty much just said, we're working on it. They put up yeah. some, some screenshots, which were very obviously from the original game. And if they are of the new game, I would say avoid it at all costs. It looks terrible. But <laughs> like it's it's so visually the game, the it's a very it's still like a pre-rendered backgrounds and it's a lot of visuals which make it look amazing. But the character models are pretty bad, especially on a modern screen. So if they clean those up, um, I think I think it will still be an, a fine looking game. Man, I can't say enough about games of that era with pre-rendered backgrounds. It, it really is like... I think I mean, they I know should make a comeback, a, honestly. Yeah, me too. Like I, like, I know we have a Final Fantasy VII remake, but if you want to play the original, it, lo- it still looks great. It still yeah, looks yeah. great. Yeah, they, they've stood the test of time better than most of their peers. Yeah. Um, you can still go back to Resident Evil 2 um, or the Final Fantasy games because the only thing is, is going to be the character models. Those are the only aspects that look dated because yeah. everything else just looks pristine. Um, yeah. Yep. So, well, I'll play Blade Runner uh, at some point. Jeff, thank you for the recommendation. Yeah, I, uh, I probably won't. But uh, <laughs> I still I still appreciate the recommendation. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> All right, cool, guys. Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, Ozzy's going to talk about what he's been playing. guys we're back ozzy i need to hear what you've been playing lately um okay uh, it's uh it's funny because i haven't done a what have you been playing for a while i think paul it's been you you months. avoid them you avoid them uh, yeah like i, the I avoid them yeah, I avoid them. yeah like I, that I remember... black goo in prometheus but you just can't help <laughs> going near it yeah exactly close to it now don't get in your eye yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you know, I remember you asking me once, Paul, it's like, why, why do you avoid the why have you been playing? It's like, oh, you know, I just prefer, you know, the the more, uh, I don't know, researched episodes better. I, I just, it's more to my, my liking. But I, I've learned to appreciate the fact that our audience kind of really digs the what have you been playing episode. And, and they just kind of dig, you know, us talking about the stuff that, you know, we just ha- happen to be interested in right now. That I guess that's part of the same discussion that we were having, Paul, of being surprised that people are interested in talking about what we are interested in. Yeah. Um, it, it's just a constant surprise. And so... And the funny thing is, sorry to interrupt you, but like the mirror image to that is constantly being surprised that having no clue what people like none i try to predict <laughs> i try to predict what people like i'm an idiot i have no idea it's happened to you and me both we're always like nah people are not gonna dig that and then we do it and it's like oh that was the best episode ever and i'm I like know. <laughs> really? you like that <laughs> i know i know arnie was very surprised that the punch out episode was great i thought it was amazing awesome. um, great. but yeah, yeah. you're always very one. self-critical of your own episodes but in any event i mean i'm glad to be back on a what have you been playing episode i 
you know, the thing is I recently moved, as you guys know, and uh, I had all of my stuff in boxes, um, which was one of the most nerve-wracking moments of my life, bar none, um, to, you know, entrust my entire collection to people that uh, had no appreciation for what, uh, I don't know, uh, Ikaruga uh, may be. Uh, that, that was very, very anxiety-inducing, and it was three weeks of me waiting breathlessly for my shipment to arrive but once it arrived i i started going through everything and one of the things about moving you know for all of it sucking uh one of the things about it is that it forces you to re-explore all the stuff that you've accumulated and forgot about um so that's kind of what i've been doing i've been testing stuff you know putting things on on uh the playstation 2 and and checking out what games you know i've i've gotten in the past that i never got around to actually testing um and so it's been a little bit of this and a little bit of that uh but one of the things that i did uh put out and now that i'm closer to my family here in miami um i i put out the vr uh because my brother wanted to test it um and uh it's just been a fantastic experience because vr has now become my party trick um as it <laughs> probably has for all of you um, yeah yeah and and, and this wasn't even pushed by me. It was just my brother. My brother was a kind of guinea pig, and he was like, this is fucking amazing. Uh, <laughs> and so whenever someone comes into the house, either my brother or my fiance, they're like, hey, 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 why don't you try the VR? Um, and whenever they try the VR, it's always uh, indubitably uh, going to be the shark expedition. Um, <laughs> and so the VR worlds and... You know, we've, we've, be, you know, it's, it's become like a tradition here at, at Che Garcia, uh, to put on the VR on someone, strap it on someone and just film their reaction as, uh, they encounter a shark. Um, so there have been a few, a few good experiences with that. Um, my stepbrother says that he's never going to go deep sea diving anymore because <laughs> of that experience. And, and he kept kicking the shark. Uh, for those of you that don't know, you, you're, you get dragged down in a crate, in a cage and, um, you start seeing all this marine life. It's very beautiful. It's very serene. And then you encounter a nuclear submarine, and before you know it, there's a shark that's coming at you um, that rips apart your ca- your cage, and uh, it, it really does it. look I like. Oh yeah, it really shit, does dude! Look like- I thought I thought the cage remained intact. No, oh, no, 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 you're, no, no, you're no, exposed. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it rips apart the, the door. It rips apart one of the four, um, you know, walls of the, of the cage. And so at that point, you're like completely exposed and you're like, this is the end of me. Um, so when people start feeling that it becomes very visceral. Um, so my stepbrother, he started kicking away the shark, you know, and, and, um, people like start grabbing things around them. Like my nephew, <laughs> he started grabbing like a, like a, a pillow, a cushion. And so he started like covering himself with the cushion, you know, and he would just like look everywhere and, you know, but by far, and you guys know this, by far yes. the most priceless, the most priceless reaction to VR. And, and this is probably up there in all of the YouTube videos I have ever seen was my sister. Uh, cause my sister has never experienced anything like this. She was born 71. So. You know, in Cuba, she never really played video games because they weren't around at the time. And so she doesn't really have that experience of, you know, the immersion of video games. And so you strap this screen on her head um, where she's seeing everything as if it's right there. And, 
you know, you kind of wait and see what's going to happen when this person that has never experienced this, you know, starts experiencing the sensations. And it's funny because we started recording and she was just very odd. She was trying to feel the, the jellyfish and, and you could see her reaching out, trying to grab things, you know, <laughs> kind of going for that tactile sensation. And, um, you know, I started looking at that and I'm like, I start getting worried because I'm just thinking <laughs> this is not going to end well. And so I'm filming all of this. I have the full video and I, I turn to my brother several times and I'm like, should we do this? Like, are, are we okay with doing this? And my brother's like, yeah, 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 yeah. We got to totally got to do it. Uh, and I'm like, you're a fucking asshole. And so I turn the camera to him and I say, this is me recording him saying that we are going to go ahead with this. So if anything happens, it's on both of us, not just me. <laughs> and dude. When the shark starts appearing, she starts flipping the fuck out. Like, she literally starts screaming at the top of her lungs. And unexpectedly, she pees herself. She pees herself. Like, literally pees herself. And so, she starts grabbing her crotch, you know, because she's like, like, the pee is flowing. And she's like, get me a dog pad. Get me a dog pad because I've peed myself. And here I am just laughing. My brother just like dashes out. He can't stop laughing at this. And I'm like still filming. And I'm like, holy shit, it's, it's real. She actually peed herself. <laughs> and so I go and grab one of the dog pads. She grabs the dog pad. She still has it strapped on. By no way in hell I'm going to take it off at this point. And sure, then she yeah. like literally puts the dog pad like a diaper in between her legs and oh. she just keeps like a champ like a trooper she just keeps going at it but just screaming everywhere just i wish i would have kept on filming after that because what you guys don't see from that video that i sent you guys is that she stayed on it and she kept screaming at the top of her lungs at this and oh it was God. just one of the most genuine moments that i have ever seen and i have ever experienced and so I wanted to make it go viral, but honestly, if I put this on YouTube, it will. And I'm worried that <laughs> she's going to lose her job because everyone's going to see her pee herself. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, poor woman. Yeah. Uh, so I'd rather just avoid this. But maybe to her backers, I can send this video because it's just... <laughs> it's I'm just sure she's no, no, gold, we can't, man. We can't even for the no. backers. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the thing was that, you know, it felt like we were just playground kids just playing a joke on your siblings you know yeah. my my mm -hmm. sister is 19 years older than me so you know we never had that kind of you know sibling experience but in this particular moment the three siblings all felt like they were the same age just playing jokes on each other um yes. and i i had a wonderful time not her. She actually had to go back home to change her pants. And dude, you should have seen this. I wish I would have taken a picture. She showed me her butt and it was just a huge, massive puddle running down her butt. Like I actually oh, no. verified that it was actual pee. So, hey, uh, let me so ask you, did she, did she leave the helmet on because she just didn't think in the moment to take it off or was I think she so. like really game for it and being like this no, is, I think this, she, this she peeing didn't, myself thing is amazing I don't want it to end yeah. <laughs> I think she was shell shocked dude honestly I think she was completely shell shocked I, I don't think she was able to react at that moment um, wow she just 
Like she really had no rational thinking at that point. She was just like in a fight or flight uh, mentality at that point. Um, oh my and god! It, it was just—I mean, she was standing up at this point. Like at this point, she was just like going everywhere, looking everywhere, and she was just like wiling out, man. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, so that's been one of my experiences recently that I, I just had to put it in an episode because I want to record it for posterity <laughs> and kind of give you guys Would- the background to that video I sent you guys. <laughs> What would the next game be that you would get her to play, or did, or did she, or was that it? And no, like, oh, I can't I'm do it anymore. This ever again? No, I can't do it anymore. Like honestly, I, I, I know my limits. I'm not that big of an asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, I, I'm pretty sure that there are other experiences that she could see and um, enjoy. You know, I, I, I could. Hey, man. I could, fool her once, shame on you. Fool her twice, shame on her. <laughs> exactly. You can put it back on her. Exactly, exactly. But no, I mean, that's one of the things that I wish with VR, I wish they had more of that, just more experiences for non-gamers, because a lot of the games you need to depend upon the DualShock or the Move controllers, you have to, you must have some degree of knowledge uh, and, and background experience with, uh, with games as a whole, with playing video games. For someone like my grandma or someone like my sister or even my mom, they don't really have that. You put a joystick in their hands and it's kind of like, what do you do with this thing? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so I've been looking for other experiences like that. If our backers have any that they want to share with me, feel free to let me know so I can strap it back on my sister and, <laughs> and make her experience <laughs> well, I, this. I guess, you know, like a, like a, a Beat Saber is relatively straightforward. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it, it takes some degree of skill, you know? I mean, it seems straightforward to you because you're so used to video games at this point. Yeah, true, yeah. Um, true, true. Yeah, but it's, uh, I, I do wish that there were more experiences in, in VR world. I wish there were just more things where you didn't have to do anything except move your head. Um, because I would totally pay for that just to, like, have people experience that. Uh, because, I I mean, again, VR is such a game changer, man. I mean, I really do think that we've talked about it, but for a lot of people, like, this is the first time they will experience video games. And it's like a whole new horizon being open to them. So, um, I don't know. For me, I'm a little bit more skeptical of VR. I it, It's funny because the same reason why I don't... Um, why I don't get, you know, like nauseous with VR is probably the same reason why I'm not as immersed with it. I don't quite feel like I'm there. So my brain doesn't really get that trick into believing that it's real. So that's probably the reason why I don't get that nauseous when I'm playing VR at all. I mean, I'm, I actually never have. Um, so I played Ace Combat 7 yesterday and I tried that. And uh, I, I really thought, look, you know, if there's a game that's going to make me nauseous, it's this one. Um, yeah. and it was perfectly fine. Honestly, it was, uh, all yeah. good. Um, uh, really thrilling experience. Uh, Paul never play that, uh, <laughs> cause you will see your entrails, you know, on, <laughs> on the floor. It's uh, too bad, man. I really want to play it. I love Ace Combat. I would, I would like, and as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, man, Ace Combat 7 VR. I, but you're probably right, dude. I'll probably lose my lunch. Yeah, yeah. No, the first thing I did was I I tried a barrel roll. You know, I I got off. It was very impressive because you see the cockpit and you see everything around you. Um, And my brother was like, try a barrel roll. And uh, I did. And at that moment, for the first time, I felt a little bit like my brain was like what what are you doing bro uh, yeah yeah um but afterwards i i i, I felt fine and and it's really 
immersive to have to look around trying to chase that plane that you know you're trying to get behind it to align a, a shot um you really do have to look everywhere in order to That's be able to you yeah. know make the turns um and there's just no substitute for that so yeah paul i really do wish that you would be able to try that because considering how much you like ace combat that would really be up your alley yeah too bad man i mean you know what look i'll probably try it anyway the the ideal situation is that i try it at somebody else's house because i would be i'd be pretty chafed if i paid 30 bucks for it even even 30 bucks i'm not gonna buy it full price obviously but i'd be pretty chafed <laughs> if i paid 30 bucks for it was able to play it for like literally 60 seconds because that's what happened with drive club which i'll never stop talking about is that it was 10 bucks and i played it dude it was 60 seconds and i'm like oh my god i need to get out of here now <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean i, I think that you know you could play the game, you know, you could play the game, you know, completely. I mean, the VR in Ace Combat 7, it's just like a mini campaign. You know, the, the actual main campaign is not VR. So, okay. oh. so it's so it's just oh, it's kind of like, okay. yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, a, a, a mini campaign, really. There's no yeah, other way yeah. to put it. So, uh, you know, if you like Ace Combat 7, then I, I think you definitely should go for it in any event. And, and maybe try the VR, and if it works, it works. But if it doesn't, then you still have the full game. I mean, it's it's pretty good on its own, and it has terrific graphics. I mean, so I, I guess all to say that I'm really excited about the future of VR. Hopefully, Sony keeps supporting this. Um, I know that a lot of listeners don't really care for VR, but I, I do think that there is a nice little niche that, that the genre can kind of build you know itself um and we're all believers i think on this podcast i think we, we all have vr uh, at some point we're all gonna play star trek bridge crew together and uh oh i can't wait man dude that game know, we'll is have hilarious our... the 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 floating hands like it's it's all about the floating hands and the things you do with the floating hands like pressing all the little buttons and shit <laughs> yeah. oh my god well, anyways, so to get out of uh, VR land, because I know that we talk enough about it. I know Arnie is a big proselytizer of VR. Um, I've been playing one of the games that I, I mentioned that I was going over all the games that I had accumulated. And, and one of the games that I just popped in yesterday was Outrun 2, man. And I don't know if you guys have played Outrun 2, but it's just amazing. It's just completely amazing. And let me tell you, man, I played it and I just the only thing that I thought to myself was like, God damn i miss sega um i i i mean sega's still out there sega's still doing great things they're they're very successful still and and they're still doing you know very good stuff they're you know shit we talk about jaguars all the time on that sega but the particular feel of outrun is something that is not seen in sega anymore i think that that blue sky feel of just you know, having the pure joy of gaming just come through your screen. Um, it's just something that I don't necessarily see that anymore in Sega. And I think that's mostly because, you know, Juzuzuki is not there anymore. And Juzuzuki was one of the biggest drivers of this kind of feel. Juzuzuki famously does not play video games himself, um, but he did make a number of them that were very excellent. Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of emphasis on the feel of the game is something that is missing in sega nowadays um and i miss it you know uh so this game came out on the xbox originally i mean the arcade one you know was the the full cabinet with the cockpit and everything but 
It came out on the original Xbox, which goes to further prove that the Xbox was the Dreamcast too. Um, yeah. You know, so that was kind of like the last raw of the Dreamcast. So all the games that were, you know, supposed to go to the Dreamcast, they ended up getting ported to the Xbox. And so Outrun 2 was one of these. And um, let me tell you, I, I am not the biggest fan of the original Outrun. And the reason for that is because I don't like old racing games because they have that problem where because it's not true 3D, you feel like the track is just kind of steering you. And I don't know if you guys right. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you don't really yeah. feel like you're in control. You kind of go with the track. Yeah, um, yeah. And, yeah. And that to me, maybe if I was young back then and i this was my first experience with games maybe i would feel differently but i don't feel like outrun ever overcomes that either so the, the game you know the the interesting thing is that um it was actually i think the, the xbox port was developed by sumo digital so shout out to the uk uh jeff whoop, whoop. and um you know what it does is it, it it still gives you the outrun feel but making it much more accessible and let me tell you that the feel of drifting is unparalleled in this game there are few things more thrilling in a game than just weaving in and out of traffic sideways while your girlfriend hollers at you (laughs) you know with her hands up in the air like she just don't care um it's just pure bliss man yeah and the game i don't know if you could have a game like this nowadays because people would just say why would i pay 60 bucks for a game that's just like one big track you know in which you can go yeah. you know down several segments and if you go left it's easier and if you go right it's harder you know they would just say there's not enough meat in this bones and i i don't know if you could do this unless it was like a 20 dollar digital game which is a true shame because i really do think that this game is worth it and particularly the xbox version it includes the original outrun game but also it has this missions where essentially, you know, drift as long as possible, knock out as many cones as possible, or stay within the yeah, blue line. Yeah. You basically had to uh, obey orders from your girlfriend, which is pretty much real life. Um, <laughs> so it's it's very good. Um, so I guess I've been talking too much, but I want to kick it back at you guys. I mean, have you played Outrun too? No, dude, I haven't. Not even not even in the arcade. I I mean, I didn't have an Xbox, so it's not something that I got around to. But Heretic. I was watching a video of it yesterday because you mentioned it. And it it really does look like it kind of captures the feel of it. It's kind of carefree, and it's really actually the drifting. Like when I when I started seeing the drifting, I was like, oh okay, this is this is just kind of like a fun, you know, long track arcade game with the checkpoints. And the checkpoints are fun too, man. It takes you back. It takes you back. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, you haven't played yeah. it either. No, well, I played. Well, I mean, I got Outrun on the Switch. Um, I think I've got it on the on the Mega Drive up behind me, um, and I played Coast to Coast a lot. Oh, okay, um, so if you play Coast to Coast, you basically played this one. I yeah, mean, yeah, this is like kind of a sequel, or Coast to Coast is like a sequel to Outrun too, isn't it? It's kind yeah, of like an like, update. It's it's like an update. It's it's exactly. like an expansion. It has it has fifteen new tracks, but it also includes the tracks in Outrun too. So yeah. so Coast to Coast is like the definitive version. However. Coast to Coast on the Xbox is the most expensive Xbox game not named Steel Battalion. I know, uh, right? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, the CIB outrun, you know, Coast to Coast on the Xbox is like $210. Um, so, it's uh, it's pretty expensive, even though I really want it. But it's also available on the PS2, That's also good, available on the say. PSP. Yeah. There's, there's, so. there's many, there's other ways to play that game. I don't, you don't need an if you. You know, you pick up a PlayStation and a copy of it for a fraction of that price. Yeah. yeah. And what were your feelings on, on Coast to Coast? 
I I really enjoyed it. I think I can I can echo what you're saying. It's that feeling of well, for me the feeling of of that arcade action with a little bit of extra meat on the bone to keep me coming back. Uh, I really loved Outrun on the Switch because it gives you those little quality of life improvements to keep you going back. Because it's a typical Sega arcade game from that era of we are going to make this as tough as possible um, to keep getting your 100 yen coins that's what we're gonna do we'll keep keep bringing those quarters in and outrun's tough man that game is really really, really hard and yeah, coast yeah. to coast or to uh, uh, um run two i remember it just suddenly became a little bit more accessible because it was obviously built uh to with i think well i know there was the arcade cabinet but it felt like at the time there was more meat given to it to help with the console sales because indeed like how could you justify 60 dollars 60 euro whatever for an outrun game i think it is a big big ask but at the time me and my mates we all enjoy playing that game um and and i still would like to go back to it now and then i don't have a copy of it anymore uh every so often i feel like picking up a copy and i always end up, end up forgetting <laughs> so maybe this is a good reminder <laughs> to go get coast to coast again um yeah would it would it you know, would we be good to, to have a uh, you know a new a newer version from Sega today? I mean, I I just downloaded was it Horizon Chase the Top Gear style, yeah. Yeah. and that's yeah. been fun. Yeah. Like that is a good twenty minute pick up and play, do some races, win some medals, and back and and jump out. I would love to have a a more modern outrun version of that on my Switch. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I mean, and Horizon Shades Turbo, it kind of really emulates and captures that feeling of Outrun. Um, mm. So if you need your Outrun itch, I would say probably pick that one up. Um, yeah, exactly. But it's just kind of a shame that, that Sega hasn't wanted to re-explore Outrun. I mean, Sega has just a treasure trove of uh, IPs that they could just explore. Um, and I think Outrun would be at the very top, I, I would say. Interesting. Would you say, and you can say no to this because I'm going to ask you this off the top of your head is there any other developer or publisher that kind of does recapture the sega feeling a little bit uh man off the top of my head it's kind of hard to say because it is isn't it because yeah, i mean we mentioned horizon chase but yeah i i think it has to be in the indie scene and it's not just one yeah. it's just particular one-off games that that aim to recapture that feel and i think mm. that's probably where we're continuing to be headed you know we're gonna have indie developers trying to recapture that moment or that sensation yeah. um so yeah we'll see and, but, and, um, and, and you you look at like a streets of rage 4 i think that's been a pretty good capture of a of a you know of a classic sega series i think that's been good it's not an arcade game obviously but i feel like that's like you say indie scene seems to be seems to be where we can rely on it i mean sega is still publishing and developing games that i'm enjoying but indeed they they are different they are different yeah yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I agree to a certain degree with respect to Streets of Rage 4. I was, not, I was not on that podcast talking about Streets of Rage 4. I think that that game captures a lot of the things that made Streets of Rage good, but just as well, it doesn't capture things that I think are critical, you know, to have an authentic right. Streets of Rage experience. And I think yeah. the main one being the music. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Put it down. Yeah, yeah. And so, it, it, you know, it's hit and miss, I think. Um, but we don't need to get into Streets of Rage 4. So I don't know, Paul, if you want me to go for another one or should I, uh, or should I just... Well, I, I, I just need to ask you one more thing. How, like, are have you mastered the drift now in OutRun 2? You know, I mean, the, 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 the thing with OutRun and me is that I was never able to really get the feel for the drift down. 
And uh, yesterday when I started playing on the Xbox, you know, the first three races, I was not even drifting. I was just like trying to do my thing. Oh, you know, we've got out of traffic and, and <laughs> yeah, do my yeah. thing. But I was getting my ass handed to me. And so eventually I got, okay, you need to let go of the accelerator and you need to brake. And that gets you into the tail, you know, tail swipe. Um, and dude, that was like a revelation. It's like the game opened up to me. It's like Valhalla and its doors just opened. And it was just like, <laughs> okay, now you're going to feel fun. Uh, so um, I wouldn't say I've mastered it, but I feel pretty comfortable with it. Uh, right now I need to get better at the... You know, that uh, move where you're kind of drifting to one side and you have the S turn and you need to, you know, get the drift to the other yes, side. That's inertia drift. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I need to get better at right now. But uh, but I'm game for it. I'm game to keep going. Like yesterday I was playing and I was like, I could keep playing this, you know. Who cares nice. if there are things to do around the house? I just want to keep doing this. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah. Well, dude, do one more. Go ahead. Do one more. We got time. Oh, okay. If it sucks, well, uh, I'll cut it. Yeah, that's always, uh, you know, the upside. Uh, no, and so the other the other game that's been in my life quite a bit recently has been Samurai Showdown 2019. And I've just kind of been wanting to talk with you guys about this because I, I want to make sure that I spread the good word about Samurai Showdown. Um, I have been on a Neo Geo kick lately, as you guys know, because I got the cabinet. So I've been trying to re-explore all the fighters that I've missed. So as I mentioned over the chat, I've played a lot of King of Fighters 96. Um, I've tried to catch up on a lot of the King of Fighters games, mostly from the Orochi saga. Sure. Um, and uh, Samurai Shodan has been one of those series that I've always appreciated from afar, but that I never really had the opportunity to play. And so eventually I did. I played Samurai Shodan 6, and uh, I, I played a few of the, of the old ones. Um, but with Samurai Showdown, I mean, it became available in GameStop. It, you know, I was able to get it for $7.99, which was mind blowing. And so I said, I, I have to do this. And due to my surprise, I mean, that game perfectly captures the feel of the old games. And one of the things that has struck me is how intuitive that game is. Um, I think a lot of fighters, the big problem with them is the difficulty curve. Um, and I know that some people have said that that Samurai Showdown is, you know, has a steep difficulty curve. But I think unlike other fighting games where you have to learn how to do, you know, like half circle, you know, punch or stuff like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. yeah. With Samurai Showdown, you don't really need that. You can basically get by with the basic buttons. You don't need to do special moves if you master the blocking um, and you master the timing-based mechanics. Um, and in order to prove this, I, I, I did a little experiment. I, I basically used my brother and my stepbrother um, to test out Samurai Showdown. You know, they were over, they came over, and I was like, you know, why don't you play this game? They were playing the, the Cabinet King of Fighters 96, and they had gotten into it. And so I was like, why don't you try this game? Um, and, you know, you could see them kind of struggling with understanding you know, what it was that they had to do. And they were just kind of wildly going at each other. And I said, yeah. look, you know, I, you, you have to play this game more methodical. You, ha you have to kind of time your hits. You have to block. You have to defend, you know. And it's not about mashing buttons because it's not going to get you anywhere. Because I started playing and I was just kind of handing their asses to them. And it was just like, look, I want to teach you. Like, this is what you have to do. And dude, like, they started coming every night just to play Samurai Showdown. And eventually... They mastered it, man. I mean, they got good at it and they were able to capture that skill of, you know, blocking at the right time and just going forward, going back and, and 
getting the right shot in. Um, and to me, it was just beauty because I, I was able to, you know, show this game to people that don't traditionally play games and they were able to master it. And I think that that should be commended, you know, with respect to that game. Um, yeah. So you always want to see a fighting game be accessible because fighting games, it always feels like you need a certain degree of skill in order to make it look good, you know, in order to make mm-hmm. it look like you're actually doing something worthwhile. You know, and Samurai Shodan, I mean, it it's it captures it. And, you know, I, I would just let them play and I would hear from the room like, the yells and the screams like oh <laughs> my god you know it's because you know they basically almost you know got each other and then one of them you know got ahead because he didn't block in time or whatever the case may be and so um i found it to be so fantastic and and that's my feel about the game i i don't play fighting games for the story um yeah I don't know, that's just <laughs> me but i don't know anything about the online play because i haven't done that I've gone through the storyline. I've gone through the the story mode, and it's it's nice. It, it looks nice, um, but I can just tell you that that the engine, the feel, everything is perfectly executed. So I I, I found myself very pleasantly surprised at this game. Yeah. So I don't know if you this guys is, have played it. I, I I haven't, but this is what I've heard. People who are into their fighting games have been really surprised and pleasantly surprised, I guess, by how solid and playable this game is. Um, yeah, I I dropped out of the fighting games back, well, would have been 10 odd years ago. The only one I really pick up and play still was the Fist of the North Star Sega one, which is just because I'm a Fist of the North Star fan. But, sure. Yeah, this this does sound like something that a non-pro like me could even enjoy because a lot of what I don't enjoy much of, uh, about fighting games now these days is I have to learn all these movesets and... I just want to play, man. I'm I I don't want to become that button mashing blanker player, but yeah. I also I I don't want to learn all these crazy timings to have to enjoy it. That's that's the thing. That's where I think a game like Samurai Showdown shines the most it is with the lack of complex inputs and combo making. You know, you don't you just don't have to do that. It's a very different type of game. I would say it's easier to learn than your average fighting game because your average fighting game it's Dude, in order to be successful, you you have to be able to you just you have to be able to learn complex input sequences, right? Yeah. And I don't think that there is that in Samurai Showdown. It's it's a much more strategic game. Yeah, and by comparison, I've been playing Mark of the Wolves and and that's one of those games where you really need to master each character. Um, and if you want to get ahead, you need to learn those moves. Um, which is a fantastic game. I freaking love Mark of the Wolves. Um, yeah. but at the same time, it's, it's a more advanced game. Um, so, so yeah, it's been, it's been very enjoyable. I, I had a very good time with it. Um, and so I, I look forward to SNK basically doing more games like this. As you know, this was the second game that SNK did as a developer, you know, since they kind of relaunched their brand. Um, yeah. And uh, you could tell that this is a, a junk development studio dealing with the programming. It's not extremely polished. It doesn't. It, it, there are a lot of things that you could clearly tell that the budget wasn't very high. Um, but where it matters, it it executes, you know, excellently. So I, I think that you know they're only going to get better. And I really just want a future where SNK is part of the conversation, man. Um, yeah, that's yeah. ultimately at the end of the day, that's that's what I'm hoping for. I I, ex- I expect that they will be just because King of Fighters fourteen was so su- was so successful for them, and it's and it's a great game. So I can't imagine them not continuing to publish. 
I don't know how Samurai Showdown did for them. Probably okay. Um, just because I didn't really hear very much about it afterwards. Hey, did you try the demo mode? I, I That's the one thing about it that they probably just shouldn't even have been included in the game because there was so much negative publicity about it. What What is the demo mode? Well, it's basically you. the AI kind of like records your moves and then you can play against a dummy player based on your own uh your own play style no no didn't try that you know okay so well maybe maybe that's, I go maybe that's for stuff. the best <laughs> <laughs> so at some point maybe i will but i i don't find a lot of enjoyment out of those things um you know i, I was a type of player that when i used to play gran turismo i i didn't care much for the b-spec mode and you know in terms of you know teaching an ai to do things that's never yeah, really yeah. my thing um so i have less no, time I, for that anyway yeah I, I would say look the game is like 1999 in most places right now i suspect that it's probably gonna get a little bit more expensive so maybe it's one of those games you want to pick up now um just because i don't think it has sold exceedingly well um i think that there was a little bit of a mixed reception with some of the critical reviews at the time so um but i would say give it a shot because i i found myself greatly enjoying the game cool man sweet all right well let's take another break and uh, when we come back i'll talk about what i've been playing guys we're back and uh so yeah we'll get to what i've been playing here the first thing is something that it's been on my mind for for a while now for almost a year and it's a game that won a shit ton of awards but looked really different was and it's disco elysium nice. and i know you guys have heard of this right yeah absolutely yeah yeah uh so i started playing it a few days ago and I think I'm like eight hours into it now, which obviously means that I like it because, you know, otherwise, A, I probably wouldn't be talking about it and B, you know, it'd be like an hour and it's like, all right, I'm out. It is a very, very different game. And I think that might be one of the reasons that I like it so much. And honestly, Jeff, it sounds a lot like Blade Runner that you were talking really? about earlier because you were you were talking about Blade Runner and I'm like, oh, wow. I'm going to talk about a game that sounds very, very much like this. That that jogs my memory that I think that this coalition, the people cited Blade Runner, the game, as one of the influences, I think. I think maybe, they did, yeah. Maybe that... I'm speaking out of my ass here, but I vaguely recall seeing something along those lines. No, I think I think you're right. I have to double check because there, there are interviews with them where they kind of list... Uh, some of the influences on the game like the first when i first loaded up disco elysium and started playing it the very first thing i thought was planescape torment immediately yeah yeah, yeah. and uh and sure enough yeah it's probably like their number one influence so they they talk about that and they they mentioned the wire as well as an influence <laughs> for it yeah we're hey, hitting up all those checklists uh <laughs> i know right they're just <laughs> all the all-stars they're just checking it off but funnily enough unlike planescape torment no combat, no combat at all. So that was that was a little bit weird for me because what I've heard to it referred as is an RPG, but 
I would say it's more kind of like an evolution of the point and click than it is kind of like your conventional modern RPG. Because let's let's face it, the conventional modern RPG is is combat. Everything focuses on the combat. Really, at, at the end of the day, that's kind of like the you know the nexus of the game. Yep. So. But doesn't doesn't hurt it though. Doesn't hurt it that there's no combat in it. It is very much um, dialogue driven. So basically, you kind of wake up. You're an amnesiac detective, which sounds tropey, and I guess it is. But it manages to not. It, like once you get by that one trope, the rest of it sounds very you know very original and not hackneyed, right? So you wake up and you talk to people and you kind of try to piece together who you are and what's going on. And then based on the dialogue tree, you know, various things will happen. You'll unlock certain story paths. You'll unlock certain missions and go from there. The other, the other kind of main game mechanic is skill checks like you would have in a regular tabletop role-playing game, right? So you would, for example... Like there's one part in the game where you have to retrieve your police jacket, right? You don't know how you lost it because you were kind of like in a drunken stupor, but you see the police jacket on a railing on sort of like a balcony, right? And you have to jump to it. So you have a kind of you have a dexterity based skill. The I can't remember what it was called. That's not the point. The point is the higher the skill, the higher chance you have of being able to get your jacket. Right. So you kind of roll the skill check, and if you succeed, you make it to the jacket, and if you don't, you chicken out, your partner makes fun of you, and then you have to wait until you can increase that ability before you can go back and try to get the jacket again. So there's uh, there's about 24 different skills, I think so, yeah, it's 24 different skills, and they're all very, it's so different, man, it's so different from your regular RPG a lot of the skills will kind of have, even though you level them up and they have mostly positive effects, they also can have negative effects. So like, you know, for example, empathy, you know, it allows you, if you get higher levels of empathy, you can speak with people without offending them. You can kind of, you know, feel for them, right? But it also can make you a little bit mentally unstable, right? Because you're too empathetic. Like if you, (laughs) you know, think about people from PETA, so to speak, right? Like, (laughs) very, very empathetic towards the animals, but I don't know if we would call the worst of them kind of mentally stable, right? (laughs) Um, Or, for example, the uh, the suggestion skill would make it... It makes it easier for you to to kind of, like, manipulate other people. You can suggest things to them, but at the same time, you kind of feel slimy and you hate yourself (laughs) because you're such a manipulative (laughs) piece of shit. (laughs) So, yeah, it's... I've been having a lot of fun with it, man. The... The writing is absolutely phenomenal. That was going to be my question. Yeah, yeah that was it's be my absolutely phenomenal. The, um, the thing about this game is that it was... It was a, I, I'm not going to say it was a novel first, but the driving force behind the game is a writer, a novelist, uh, Robert Kurwitz. And basically what ended up happening was he wrote a novel, the name of which I can't remember, which actually kind of speaks to this whole story. The novel basically failed and he was a bit depressed and a friend of his was like well instead of working on a novel why don't we just try video game right like you can take all these ideas we can take this imaginary world we've built up for the purpose of playing a role-playing game 
and make a video game out of it. And that's basically what they did. And now he's found the success that he was looking for, albeit not in the manner in which he originally intended. But that's kind of how the game came about. It was it was written first and then game second. And that right, really comes okay. through in the it really comes through in the game. The the writing is just absolutely fantastic. So so what's the what's the aim of the game? What's the How do you win the game? Yeah, how, can, what's the what's the what's the achievement <laughs> trophy? What's it called? <laughs> I can tell you how you lose, which was very sudden and unexpected. Uh, so how do you win? Basically, you kind of wake up and very quickly you find out that there has been a murder. Somebody has been murdered and hanged behind the hostel where you're staying. That's so, to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you meet up with your detective partner who has been waiting for you to wake up from your drunken stupor, and the goal of the game is to solve the murder. Now, okay. I don't know if that remains the goal as you progress through the story. I would say that I'm about a quarter of the way through the game, maybe a third. So it's possible that there is some like larger overarching mystery as there tends to be with these kind of games. But at the very least, during the first day game day of gameplay it's mostly about this murder and solving the murder as right. far as how you lose you have two basic kind of health stats you have your endurance which is your physical endurance and then you have your morale it is the physical endurance you can kind of see coming you know when there might be violence happening and you can choose dialogue trees or you can make decisions to kind of avoid it possibly but let me tell you, man, if your morale is low, you're you're walking on eggshells in that game because the slightest thing can make the main character depressed and then he just gives up and quits the police force and it's game over. Does that feel like making it more gamey, like it was necessary to make it more gamey? Do you feel like it actually fits within the game or is it just something that, okay, we needed to have it be... A story but also some sort of game have some sort of game elements here so so we're just gonna throw this morale element and morale bar here as your kind of health bar yeah that's it's a great question i would say i would say that it doesn't fit except that the detective is very very depressed he's very obviously depressed he has substance abuse issues and so it's not terribly surprising that when things come up, he just eventually gives up because he's always hinting at that in the game. Like he's always making these sardonic jokes about killing himself and and otherwise, right. you know, hating himself. So when you do reach a point in the game where he's reminded of so there's like one point where you're reading a book and there's the name of a character in the book reminds him of someone from his past. I'm assuming I'm assuming it's his dead wife because that seems to be kind of where it's going, but I don't really know for sure. Mm -hmm. In any case, this point in the book, remind like there's a character's name that reminds him of her, and then he's like, I can't do this anymore. And then you're out. All right. Well. Um, so, so next question. Is it fun? <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> Is that too much of a I know, bummer, right? It, sound, it sounds like a little bit of a slog. Well... I don't, and you know what, dude? I don't know what the answer is. I can, here's what I can tell you, okay? What I can tell you is that there, there are points in the game where I laugh out loud because there are genuinely funnily written parts. Yeah. 
and there are parts there aren't that many parts where i'm like delighted like i am with you know the next game i'm gonna talk about but i keep on clicking and i keep on clicking and i keep on clicking and i keep on talking to people and i just keep going and going and going so Mm -hmm. Even though I don't have like this childlike wonder and delight at this game, I'm still playing it. And I'm going to keep playing it today. I think I think it's the story. I think I need to know what's going to happen here. It is very well written. And I think that's what's keeping me coming back. I was thinking about it last night. I'm like, I'm not really smiling a lot while I play it. It's not. But I think this is what it is. So it's a, it's a very interesting game in that regard. At the very least... It is certainly very, very different from yeah. from anything yeah. I've played before. There aren't any, as far as I can tell, there aren't any like LucasArts puzzles in the game. It is strictly dialogue, dialogue. and skill yeah. checks. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So they're never, it, they're, it doesn't, I haven't reached the point yet where I have felt stumped. Would you yeah. say, Paul, is it worth full price? I didn't buy it full price. I would say... You know, it really depends on what you want out of a game, right? Like, if you have a checklist of things that you're looking for in a game to play, and your checklist includes something original that you haven't quite tried before, something extremely well-written, and sort of like a point-and-click style, then yeah, yeah, you kind of have to play, you kind of have to pay full price for this game, because you're not going to get this experience anywhere else, right? This is a game that you probably haven't quite played before so in that sense yeah it's worth full price if it's not you know if you didn't have that specific list of things you're looking for then you get it on sale because it does go on sale it's not like factorio which you know criminally never went on sale and eventually you know i had to get it as a gift or else i was never gonna get it (laughs) (laughs) yeah no because i've been waiting for it uh to go down in price a little bit just because i have such a huge backlog which is you know like i just kind of tell myself i can wait for it uh i can wait for it to see if it drops down in price but one of the biggest regrets of uh, our conversation uh regarding the game of the year for 2019 was that i didn't get to play this coalition so uh, i want to fix that before the year is through at some point yeah. So I might just pick it up just to see. And and as you say, since there's no combat, it seems like it's a, not necessarily, you know, a pleasant experience, but a bree- not necessarily breezy, but like you could just kind of get sucked into it, you know, into the dialogue kind of flow of it. Yes. So yes. Sounds to me like that's the case. Yeah, that's that's exactly the case. I am I am pretty thoroughly sucked into it. And I don't again, it. I still don't quite have my finger on why, <laughs> but it's it's definitely there. And you're right, like it it won too many Game of the Year awards that I was just I was too curious. I was too yeah, curious. Yeah. I had to see what I had to see what the hubbub was about here. And uh, yeah, it does go on sale. It'll go on sale. I think I got it for twenty five percent off, which is enough of a sweet spot, you know, yeah. for for something, especially for something that was Game of the Year, you know. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. What else have you been playing? So the the other thing is a game that took me a very long time to come around to. It's always been on the radar, and it, it really took our, our good buddy Dennis uh, Strilli Vanilli to kind of push me and be like, yo, you got to play this game already, and that's Shovel Knight. 
Fantastic game. Fantastic yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had no idea, man. I had no idea it was that good. I, I ended up getting the <laughs> uh, the treasure trove on the Switch, which nice. I think has like all the expansions and everything. It's got all the DLC. Yep. Yeah. So I I did not expect I, I hadn't even seen videos of it at all. All I know is that it was kind oh. of it was kind of omnipresent. It was ubiquitous. Like everywhere I looked for the past, you know, three, four years, there's been Shovel Knight everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I knew it was popular. I just didn't really know why. And then playing it almost immediately, I'm like, oh my God. Okay. I can see exactly why people enjoy this game. It is it is a delight, man. An absolute freaking delight. I can't tell you how many times I've been playing Shovel Knight and I'm just kind of like almost like clapping and you know laughing and just it's it's joyous man it's joyous like for those who don't know <laughs> and I imagine like almost everybody knows what it looks like now it's basically a side scroller and I would say the biggest influences that it takes from would be DuckTales on the yeah. NES mm-hmm. and then a sprinkling of Mega Man in there as well because the yeah. platforming can be can be pretty difficult much like a, a Mega Man and it just it controls so beautifully everything is just kind of like obvious you know what I mean like you go through a level and I don't really have to think too much I can see almost immediately what I have to do and then the yeah. question is like can I do it you know what I mean yeah and I think the aesthetics are more Mega Man um than ducktales but the mechanic so. yeah. of the shovel they are pretty much ducktales but i think the beauty of shovel knight is how it manages to capture the nes feel while at the same time improving it to a level where you don't feel that it is cheap yes. it doesn't yeah, feel yeah. like a game that is just trying to recapture nes nostalgia by making it exceedingly hard the game yeah. has a very gradual difficulty curve and it's always teaching you and every time you play it you feel like okay if i messed up it was my fault if i died it was because it was my fault um and it has so much character man all the different bosses they all have their own character and since the levels are themed around them you just feel like their personalities are coming through in the levels themselves yeah And it's a funny game. It's a charming, humorous game. Um, The relationship between Shovel Knight and Shield Knight and, you know, it's kind of sweet, you know. It really is. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and how he dreams about her. Um, It also has a little bit of a sprinkling of Warrior in it, um, weirdly enough, you know, with the mechanic that you can actually uh, destroy the save points instead of saving, um, you know, and it's kind of like a risk reward factor. I mean, yeah, that, that, that kind of took me back a little bit to Warland, but um, yeah, I mm-hmm. think that's really the balance that the game strikes for your wallet. It's being nostalgic while at the same time advancing the medium. That's, yeah, I don't exactly. think something yeah. that anyone else that not many have recaptured. And yeah. it's, it's funny, like how they did it too. Like one of the things that they did to kind of recapture that feeling was they limited the colors that they used strictly to the NES color palette. And I like it's it seems obvious once I found out about it, but while you're playing, you don't really notice. It just kind of feels very much like a very high caliber NES game. Like the the expressiveness of the sprites is just crazy. Like the way yeah. everybody looks so different 
<laughs> oh man, it is so cool. Like even just like walking through the town and there's the woman carrying the two buckets of water via yeah. the the big wooden you know the big wooden thing that you put on your shoulders yeah yeah and yeah, yeah can, that, that we all yeah. use yeah 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 us in europe anyway with our, and then with you our, can it's jump like, it's on like a multi python sketch isn't it but yeah no yeah but you can jump on her sorry <laughs> and you can jump on her to like reach another platform and just like the expression on her face when you jump on her wooden water thing like mm -hmm. she suddenly starts like sweating and her face looks pained but it looks freaking hilarious man yeah they did such a great job with with all the different characters in that game it's it's crazy and the sprites are very big too yeah it does feel like a, a game that could i mean it, it you clearly it couldn't but that it could have come out of 1991 or 1990 like yeah. a late stage nes game um, and of course, you, it, it's impossible to have done a game like that because even with all the limitations, it's still, you know, it's still much more advanced than what you could have gotten in an NES. But yeah. it, it, it does feel authentic. And that's something exactly. that we old gamers are always looking for. I want the authentic experience of what I felt when I was playing this as a kid. And that's yeah. exactly how I feel playing Shovel Knight. Yeah. So, so I put Shovel Knight in the same bracket as The Wire and Blade Runner. Where <laughs> okay, oh, there we go. We completed the perfect on this episode. I, yeah, I would tell people, you need to play this. You've got to play this. If you're a gamer, you've got to play this. Do you like crime drama? You've got to watch The Wire. Do you like sci-fi? You've got to watch Blade Runner. Like if, you like, if you like video games, you've got to play Shovel Knight. You've got to give it a go. There's yeah. a reason why it's been out on every single console that has existed since it was made. I'm surprised they haven't put it out on the Game Boy yet. You know, that it's, it's, that, <laughs> it's that versatile of, of, of a game. Um, I really do believe that it is a game that we're going to get bored of seeing on every console, but it is worth playing at least once through. I've So I've now done all the DLC as well. Um, and I mean, maybe maybe you guys know of a game that, that take has taken the bosses and made them potentially better or just as good as the main character king knight's mm -hmm. story and dlc is utterly fantastic i think it is so much fun and it's it shows how versatile that game is with the with the with the moves and with the way levels can be remade and and you can basically make it feel like a, re, a fresh new game i think that's something that uh, yacht games have just just done an amazing amazing achievement with this game I can't, I could never speak about it highly enough. Yeah, the post-game content in this game is just mind-blowing. I mean, they were supporting this game for six years. I think the original Shovel Knight came out in 2014. Yeah, um, yeah. And they've just kept, you know, kicking out all the Kickstarter goals and adding new stuff to it. So essentially, you now have four campaigns that you can play for. You can play the original one. You can play, I think, Spectre Knight. You can play Plague Knight and yep. King Knight. Um, yep. and I've played Spectre Knight and Plague Knight, and it's amazing because it's like a brand new game. Um, so essentially you're getting like spinoffs of, and variations of what you had played, but it feels wholly, you know, immersive and new and, and fresh. So I, I think that Paul, you, you may tire of it, you know, after having played through the full campaign and, and maybe dabbling with some of the, the DLC, but it's a game that if you ever wanted to revisit it, you could just say, well, I'm going to play Plague Knight now. Um, and that's just, yeah. just as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I and I probably will. I'll probably finish the campaign. I'm very close to finishing it now. And I was thinking about doing one of the one of the other ones afterwards. But I think what I'll end up doing, honestly, is just kind of saving those games for when I'm in a bad mood. Yeah, because yeah. great that's, idea. <laughs> like that's what this after, game is for, after man. After you played it. After you play Disco Elysium and you want to cut your own wrists, <laughs> shovel and shovel night. When your morale is very low, Paul, this is what's going to get it back up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. How do you feel about yeah. the music, Paul? Because the music was one of the things that they actually did not abide to the 8-bit you know, limitations that they did so with the color palette. And so it was done by Jake Kaufman, um, who is perhaps the most popular kind of shiptune composer out there right now. He works a lot with WayForward. Um, which, by the way, Jack Club Games—they're kind of exilees of Way Forward. Yeah, um, yeah, Sean actually, Velasco, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually think that you know they did better than than Shantae, for example. I love Shantae, but it's not anywhere near as good as Shovel Knight um, at all. Uh, but how do you feel about the music as a as a as a whole? Overall, I think it's fairly phenomenal. You know, it, like. What they did was they made the first level music absolutely fantastic. And <laughs> then, and that kind of like draws you in that one track. And I, I saw yeah. you giggle there, Jeff. You probably know exactly which track I'm talking it's, about. It's, it's playing in my head right now. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have and to play this in one, that, of the cu- in one of the cuts, in one of the breaks. You have to play Shovel Knight music, man. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Of course. It's, it's 100% <laughs> necessary. And what they did after that was make the music for every other level kind of consistent with the theme of that level. Mm. So you have one like real banger at the beginning and then you have a a bunch of other tracks that are also very good and very appropriate uh, for their levels. It really, man, it, you're right. They didn't stay strict to the NES, so to speak for the music, but it really has that NES feel to it. It, it just it, it just feels like an NES game that's leveled up a million times, really. You know, you know what happened to me with this game? It's that I played it on the 3DS because I wanted the 3D feel. Um, and when I played it on the 3DS, one of the things that happens to me when I'm playing on a handheld is that my hands cramp up. And this oh. is not a game. This is not a game that you can play if your hands cramp up, you know, because you need to kind of be, you know fast reacting you know to everything you know that's happening around you and if you suddenly don't have any strength on your hands because they're cramped then you know you're basically done um so that's why i put it down for a time i got near the end i haven't you know i'm in the last level basically um and i never beat it because i just couldn't do it because my hands were just dying basically so i don't know if i should just pick it up on the ps4 or something and maybe you know, with a controller, it's just easier for me. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to revisit it again. One of the things that I want to, you know, kind of point out is that I, I am looking forward to seeing what Yacht Club Games does after this. They've been so focused on Shovel Knight that I am really excited about them moving on to the next thing. Um, yeah, me too. Because they're very talented, you know. So I, I really am ready to, you know, see what they can do beyond Shovel Knight. Exactly. Yeah, hopefully it's uh hopefully it's not a one hit wonder situation. I I can't imagine that it would be though. I don't think so. No, 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 no. I do know that they're publishing that uh that Ninja Gaiden like game uh, that looks huh? 
Oh, no, not oh. the me- not the messenger, not the messenger. It's another um, one that's still in development. I forgot the name. It's called like yeah. Cyber Cyber something. Um, yeah, yeah. So, one so they've they've yeah. gotten you know into publishing now with picking up this indie game done by one one dude, and uh, it looks very good. It looks excellent. I mean, it's not shovel knight, but it does look excellent. So um, at the very least, we're getting something from them, and they seem like they're picking up you know worthwhile projects, you know, to kind of amplify and give it a platform. Yeah, yeah. They also published uh, Gunvolt, Azure Striker Gunvolt for the 3DS. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Published, again, not developed, but... Yeah. And I don't know who published the Switch version of it, but that's another game that's worthwhile. I picked up Gunvolt for the 3DS some time ago. It's actually two games in one, and I finished the first game, and it was very, very enjoyable. Very... Uh, yeah. It was like a... <laughs> it's like a better version of Mega Man 11, honestly. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and that's another studio that's doing very good things. Integrates, um, Integrates did the the Bloodstained uh, 2D um, spinoff, um, Curse of the Moon, I think it was called, um, and that one was essentially Castlevania 3 Redux. Yep. Uh, it yeah. really captured the feel perfectly, and I know they've been doing the Gunvolt games for a little bit, um, so definitely one of those 2D you know pioneers you know right now um there are not a lot of studios there are a lot of 2d games but there are not a lot of studios that are able to perfectly capture the feel of an old game um and i feel like Like, that club games has that down yeah it it happened it's amazing too like there are a ton of pixel art games too but very few kind of like capture the feel of those old games it and yeah, I guess that doesn't, yeah. I guess they don't necessarily have to, right? Pixel art doesn't necessarily have to be a callback. It doesn't have to take you back in time. It can just be its own now modern art form, if it, you know what I mean? Yep. yep. But uh, basically, we're looking at, I think, Shovel Knight and maybe Blazing Chrome. Those are, those are the two Chrome, that have yeah. really like put me in a time machine and sent me back. Well, anything by the, by the studio that did Blazing Chrome. They also have it down. I don't know how, but it's like sorcery. They have it down because they, before Blazing Chrome, they did Oniken. Oniken manages to capture that Ninja Gaiden feel perfectly. And before that, Odalis, which manages to capture Castlevania and uh, Demon's Crest, weirdly enough, also as well, and, and uh, Ghosts and Goblins. So that studio, I will follow whatever it is that they do. Um, yeah. So not yeah. a ton of them, but the ones that do, they're just phenomenal. Cool, man. And uh, and I'll mention a couple other things here as well, just a couple other games. Not so much games, but, you know, I need to talk about things that I've accomplished with games lately, because there, okay. there have been a couple, there have been a couple of big <laughs> ones. Uh, the first thing, ever since Arnie and I did the Punch-Out episode, I've, I've slowly been going through Super Punch-Out, and I haven't beat it yet, but the other night, I did beat Super Macho Man. So I completed the three main circuits. Dude, beating Super Macho Man, I felt fantastic. I felt fantastic. (laughs) Some of these old games that are very difficult and like you get, you know, you get knocked down and then you get up again and... I don't want to turn this into a you know, exactly. 1999 there's song. A, there's but... a song in there. There's a song in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't do it, Paul. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> but there's something about just like getting owned over and over and over and then finally overcoming that obstacle. And uh, yeah, beating Super Macho Man, that was a fantastic feeling, let me tell you. So <laughs> now I have to beat every single circuit 
but I also have to go undefeated to unlock the special circuit, which is the final three. Uh, oh, I can't geez. remember three or four fighters. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do that, uh, but I feel like my cred will suffer if I don't. So I might. All eyes uh, are on you now, though. All eyes are on yeah. you because now you yeah. put it on a podcast. So exactly, everyone exactly. knows that if you back out right now, then <laughs> you're not worth, you know, your weight in gold. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to, man. Super Punch Out has been, it's just been a lot of fun to play. And then once I'm done with that, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go finish the Wii Punch Out because. You know, we don't need to talk about Punch Out that much. We just did a fucking episode <laughs> on it. <laughs> but those games are fun. Uh, the other thing as well, I went back to Etrian Odyssey Nexus because obviously. Surprise. And at the end of every Etrian Odyssey game, there is a super boss. The super bosses are phenomenally difficult, extremely difficult to the point where even I a well-seasoned Etrian Odyssey player has never beat one of the super bosses. I get to them and I'm like, I can't do this. Like, this is just, it's just too hard. But because Nexus was such a special game, I thought, you know what? I left that stone unturned. I have to go back. I have to go back, Marty. And so I went back and about 30 tries later, I finally beat the super boss. Uh, the Abyssal Princess. There's one more boss after the Abyssal Princess in uh, in EO Nexus, but I consider the Abyssal Princess to be like the one. And the fight took 95 turns. It took about an hour and a half. Oh my god! It was extremely tense. But oh my god, did I ever feel great when it was done? It was. Uh, thank you, thank you, Ozzy. <laughs> very. I get very, very few like really great feelings like that from video games anymore. It was quite the challenge. Well, and, it's, it's uh, a reason why people play Dark Souls, man. <laughs> exactly. It's, there there really feeling. is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, and it's funny, like I actually saw videos afterwards of people beating this boss with like... It, the nice thing about EO, and I don't want to harp on it too much. I know you guys are tired of me talking about it, but you don't have to do it one way. You know, you can, you can put together right. a party that is your style and still managed to beat this super boss. And that wasn't always true of previous Etrian Odyssey games, but this one you see, I go online, I went onto Reddit and there's people talking about all the different kinds of parties they used and so on. It is, man, I love that game so much. That is all. <laughs> that is all. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you, uh, in terms of uh, life achievements, um, have you actually gotten through all the Trails of Cold Steel games already? Oh, goodness, no, no. I, okay. There's four. The fourth one hasn't even been released yet. So we're not, uh, we're not quite there yet. Okay, and there's a whole bunch, three like, that have been released. Yeah, there are three. I, I finished the first two. The third one, I don't know, man, probably next year. Probably next year. You, At you some need, point. You need a break between those. You can't just go yeah. like, you know, straight through them. They're so dense. So, yeah, yeah. You know, you need time to digest that meal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I think I think that bell covers it, eh? Like I'm done, you guys yep. are done. So again, everybody, thanks so much for listening. You know, this these episodes for us are are a lot of fun. They're very impromptu, like they're kind of impromptu in a way, and uh, we're really glad that you enjoy them because we enjoy doing them too. Uh, you know, much like we do with all of our episodes. But these are always a little bit different, a little bit more casual, and so we appreciate that people enjoy them. And uh, yeah, don't forget subscribe, rate, review. And uh, if you're interested, regionfreegamers.com 
and patreon.com slash regionfreegamers. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.